You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. All right, good morning, East Point Church. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah chapter 42. We're going to continue in our series of hope. And the title of my message this morning is Broken. How many of you are boy dads and boy moms? How many boy parents we have in the room? Yep. All right. I have three boys. I have three boys. And I will tell you that at this rate of how many times we've had to put a cast on broken bones, at this rate, we will have 18 broken bones by the time my child is 18. That is once a year, for those of you keeping track at home. All right, broken. Oh, man. When I was five years old, I broke my arm. Okay? And I've told this story. I mean, my whole life, right? Like, my arm is still a little bit deformed because it was such a gnarly break. So I've told this story my whole life. But until I became a boy dad, there was an aspect of this story. There was a, a component that I, that I realized I was missing. And here's what I mean. I broke my arm in the basement of our church during kids' ministry. And my parents, the way they tell this story, they were sitting there. The preacher is preaching just like this. And the way that we had our old school church basement, my parents could hear me scream when I broke my arm. Right? You thought your child in the gathering was painful crying. No, no, imagine hearing your cry like through the roof. You know, like, ah! So they tell this story where they hear the scream of their son, and they look at each other, and they run downstairs, and there's Sammy, five years old, with his arm dangling, and he's crying, and, and how many of you are like me, that when your child gets hurt, there's just this like, whoa, right? I don't know what word to use, but it's just a whoa, right? And I, I've always been that way. My, my wife makes fun of me, because when my first child was born, like, I remember he like fell and hit his head, and I was like, who put the table here? Like, Ugh! I just get angry when my kids get hurt. And so I just, I, I've never understood this part of the story until I became a dad, but I can't imagine what it would have been like when my parents walked downstairs and saw their five-year-old holding their arm, and the first thought that they have is, right, they look, they look for the teacher, right? They look for the teacher, and they feel the whoosh, and they just go, what happened? You're the teacher, you're supposed to be in charge. How did you let this happen? And they asked the million-dollar question, where were you? You know what I'm talking about, right? Where were you? My kid's arm is broken. He's in pain. I trusted you. Where were you? Maybe sometime I'll tell you the rest of that story, but... Uh, my, that we went to the doctor, and they wanted to put screws in my arm. It was such a gnarly break. Like, to this day, one day I'll show you my elbow at our next church picnic. And you're like, ew! It's just what it is, you know? And, uh, but it broke in such a way that the doctor said, because of his age and because of the break, let's just put screws in it. He'll probably never be able to throw a ball. He'll probably have to become left-handed. But just, that's just probably the best we can get. And my dad felt the, ooh. And he was like, No! He's like, put a cast on it. I'll make sure he doesn't move it. I'll sleep with him every night. And so for three, I guess I'm telling you the story now. For three months, I'm like, I got a sermon to preach, man. For three months, he pulled the mattress out into the living room, and he slept with me every night, with me against his chest, and he held my arm 
so that way as a little kid in my sleep, I wouldn't move it and do further damage. Aw, right? But guess what? Before my dad felt that compassion, he felt whoosh, right? Where were you? And I just imagine at this time of year, how many people in our world, how many people in your community, how many people are in your family are feeling the pain this holiday season, not of a broken arm, but of a broken world? How many people are feeling the pain of broken relationship, of broken leadership, a broken economy, a broken whatever it is. And just like my parents with the teacher, they look, not for the teacher of a classroom, but they look for God in heaven, and they say, where were you? You were in charge. You were supposed to protect us. I thought you knew what was happening. You're God. And so where were you in my pain and in my brokenness? This morning, I want to share with you a passage in the Bible where Israel is in shambles. Their world is broken, and they are feeling the pain of it. And it's especially painful because they did it to themselves. They contributed to the brokenness of this world. But as a message of hope, in order to stave off the despair, God comes forward with a message. And he gives a broken world a glimpse into heaven. As we see the curtains pulled back, as we see the clouds part, as we see God in heaven, we realize that he is not watching idly at our pain. He's not ignorant of your pain. He's not indifferent toward your pain. We see God in heaven is in control and he has a plan and he is sovereign and he has put forward a solution. And God's solution to a broken world, he says, I will send my servant. And for the next few moments, I want to introduce you to the servant. This is God's word for East Point Church. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Pause right there. First thing we see, God's servant will create a kingdom of justice in a spirit of gentleness. God comes forward from heaven and he, he does an introduction here. He says, behold, my servant. This is an introduction. God is bringing forward. He is presenting the key figure in his plan to redeem, not just his people, but the whole world. And this figure is called the servant. Meet the servant. God in heaven says that as he puts this servant forward, he says, I have put my spirit Upon him. Here we go again. This is kingly anointing language. He says, This servant is my king. This is my viceroy. This is the one who will be leading my things with my authority. I have chosen him. I have empowered him. I am upholding him to accomplish my will. Meet the servant. In him is all of my delight. He has my approval and my pleasure. Meet the servant. 
How many of you ladies have one of those t-shirts that say, I'm with him? Anybody? Am I the only one that got my wife that for her birthday? She was like, where's the real gift? I was like, it's coming tomorrow. Um, And so if you were married to me, you'd have a shirt that says, I'm with him, all right? When the servant comes forward, he has a shirt, and it says, I'm with him. But it's not pointing this way. It's pointing up. The servant steps onto the scene with all of the authority of God in heaven. This is God's king ruling in his name. And so he introduces us to the servant, and we see that the servant has been commissioned with a very special mission. The servant has been given a huge responsibility, a huge charge. God says to him, bring forth justice to the nations. He sends forward his servant to establish an economy of justice in the earth. And here's why. Because when God looks at this world, he agrees with you. It is broken. God sees the brokenness of our world. He sees how far it has fallen from the original design when he first made the heavens and the earth. Justice and peace have been crowded out by sin and darkness. God created humanity to live according to principles of wisdom and righteousness, and yet the operating system of our world is so corrupted. And every single one of you have felt the painful fallout of that. But here's what's beautiful. The same God who brought order and light out of darkness and chaos once again is moved to do something about the chaos and the darkness of our world. The God who redeems cannot sit back while darkness reigns. So he announces his plan. He says, I'm going to fix the world. I'm going to fix the brokenness by sending forward my servant who will reintroduce them to the just rule of God. I will send my servant who can teach the nations my law and my wisdom. I'm sending the servant and telling him, show them a better way. Show them my way. So maybe you're here this morning, and, and this is normal for us here at East Point. Maybe you're here this morning, and, and you're new to Christianity. You're exploring the faith. You're still trying to understand the gospel, and, and that's great. This is a great place for you to be. And maybe you've even asked yourself the question before, if God is real, then where is he in this mess? If God is real, then why is there so much pain? If God is real, then what is he doing with all of our brokenness? And I'm just here to tell you what what the Bible shows us, right? Like, the Bible paints a picture, not of a God who is sitting back idly, not of a God who is ignorant of our pain, not of a God who is sitting on his hands. It paints a picture of a God who rises up and he sets in motion a plan to fix it. We see a planner God. We see a, a redeeming God who comes and the world that we have broken, he says, I will redeem it and restore it. God is rising up in heaven and he is calling humanity back to a better way. That's what he's doing. And central to this plan is the servant. Meet God's servant. He's a king. 
and, and just like a king, imagine an ancient king who would roll out a map and start to plan, how can I expand the borders of my kingdom? How can I push farther and farther into the nations? How can I expand my reach and expand my borders? In the same way, God's servant king is rolling out the map of the nations, and he is seeking to extend God's rule. He is seeking to expand the borders of God's reach and his reign all over the earth to the nations. And his mission is to take back ground from the kingdom of darkness, increase the borders of my kingdom of light, justice, and godliness. Servant, go to those who only know the kingdom of evil and pain and corruption and introduce them to my economy of righteousness. This is the servant. He's going to the nations. But his style may surprise you. You see, typically when we roll out a map like that, we imagine a king who comes as a conqueror. A king who will expand his borders through violence and brutality, aggression. But look how God's servant expands the borders. You're not ready for this. Like, this is an oxymoron. This mighty king, how will he rule? He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice. Huh. Your typical conquering king would come on a war path a display of military force, a demanding new regime. But yet we see that this servant king, he's not aggressive at all. He doesn't show up on a war path. He's expanding the borders, not through force and violence, but in a spirit of gentleness. This king is a gentle king. It says that when he comes, he's going to encounter people who feel like a bruised reed. He's going to meet some of you who feel like a faintly burning wick. Those of you who are discouraged and you feel like you're barely hanging on like a bruised reed. Those of you who feel like a sputtering wick, not sure how much longer you can burn, we realize that this servant king, this leader, is so gentle that he doesn't just snap those people off. He doesn't just snuff out that flame. He comes and he nurses the weary back to life. This is a king who will rule with compassion and understanding. So I wonder how many of you feel like a bruised reed today? Ah. <sighs> I don't know how much longer I can go. I, yeah, have you ever felt like this? Where you're like, if somebody just breathes the wrong way, I'm toast, right? Just, just a thread hanging out. If the wind hits it just right, I don't know if I can hold on much longer. Have you ever felt like, like the end of a candle where the, the, the wick is sputtering and you're already starting to see the wisps of smoke and you're like, I just don't know how much farther I can go before I'm snuffed out. And here's what God says. He introduces you to his servant. He says, my servant will lead you in a way that doesn't break you. My servant will take you by the hand and with gentleness and compassion and understanding, he will show you my ways, not as a demanding king, but as a servant king. He says, come all who are weary. To follow him won't put you over the edge. It will restore your soul. 
overcome all who are weary. And at the same time, don't confuse his gentleness for weakness. Come on, that's another t-shirt right there. Don't confuse meekness for weakness because this king, he is mighty. Look what it says here. It says he will not grow faint. He will not be discouraged. Yes, he is gentle, but make no mistakes. He will not stop until this world is reigned in righteousness and God's power. He will not quit until his mission is done and he establishes justice in the earth. He will not give up until the furthest people who are the furthest away in the furthest reaches in the coastlands receive his law and his instruction. He will not give up. And I don't know if your brain works like mine, but here's where I go. When it says he will not be discouraged, that shows me he's going to face things that would otherwise discourage him, right? He will not be discouraged means that he is going to face things in his life as the servant that might discourage someone else if it wasn't him. This is a servant, this is a savior who is going to experience the same things that make you feel like a bruised reed. This is a savior who's going to feel and experience the same things that cause you to feel like a sputtering wick. The pain of this broken world that you're experiencing, when he comes, he will experience it too. He's not coming to live in an ivory tower. He's moving into your neighborhood. He's going to live on the same street as you, which means to all of you who are weary, the servant gets it. He gets it. He can empathize with you. If you're here and you have endured unimaginably more than you ever thought you would in your life. He gets it. To those of you who have not been dealt the cards that you could have sworn you've been dealt, you would be dealt. He gets it. To those of you who are in pain and, and you're just thinking, man, could anybody handle this? He's there. He is acquainted with your grief, with your sorrow, and with your pain. He, too, would be abused he, too, would mourn the loss of loved ones. He, too, would be betrayed and misunderstood. This is not an aloof Savior. He gets it. He empathizes with you and understands you. Meet the servant, God's solution to a broken world. So we see the servant. We've been, we've been told to behold. And now we have a really cool opportunity to to overhear his commissioning servants. We as the audience, we're invited in and we get to witness the divine charge that God in heaven is about to give to his servant. Do you want to see it? Listen to what God says to his servant, the second half of our passage. Thus says God, the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, 
and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. God is giving this servant a very specific charge. Through the servant, the world will know God. Through the servant's arrival, the nations will come to know their creator. And so the authority of the sent one is directly related to the authority of the sender, right? And so he turns, the God in heaven, he turns to the, to the servant. He commissions him. He charges him. And look at what it says here, right? If, I don't know if anybody else in this room is insecure. Any insecure people? Like, I don't know, am I insecure, right? It's just, I don't know, right? If, if the servant ever had a moment of insecurity, if he ever wondered, ah, can I do this? If he ever wondered, ah, should, I really, should I really do this? If anybody ever came to the servant and said, who do you think you are? He need only think back to his commissioning service where he was spoken to by the Lord who created the heavens and the earth. I have been sent on this kingdom advancing rescue mission to the world by the creator of the world. He's being charged from the very mouth in heaven that breathes life into people's lungs. This is the God who speaks. This is the God who is sending him. And so I think about my children, right? Like imagine they're, they're playing outside. This is totally hypothetical, by the way, all right? Names and ages have been changed to protect the innocence of my child. And so imagine like a middle child coming inside from playing outside, and on his way out, I say, hey, I mean, someone says, hey, middle child, I want you to tell your brothers it's time to come in. Ooh, authority. So the middle child steps outside and says, hey, brothers, it's time for dinner. Game's over. Wow. And what do the other brothers say? <laughs> You're not my dad. Right? This is totally hypothetical. Anybody else been here before? Right? He's like, you're not my dad. You're not the boss of me. Middle brother pulls out the big guns. He goes, oh, yeah? Well, guess what? Dad said so. Oh, right? The authority of the sent one is based on the authority of the sender. He says in that moment, he's invoking the authority of dad. He goes, listen, listen, to ignore me is to ignore my father. And so when I say to you, go inside, Dad said so. That is not my child, by the way. All right? I would never do that to his hair, I promise. Okay? <laughs> and so here's the point. The servant shows up on the scene, and he's about to address the world. But we're reminded of who sent him, because to ignore him is to ignore the one who sent him. To reject the servant is actually to reject God in heaven. And so all of us who are overhearing this commissioning service, we are warned. His authority is not made up. His mission is not self-made. He comes with the authority of the one who created the heavens. And so turn a deaf ear toward the servant at your own risk. Reject and ignore the servant at your own risk. And so he speaks directly to the servant, and here's his charge. Here is the mission. He says, I am sending you. I am upholding you. I am sustaining you, and I am giving you as a covenant for the peoples and a light to the nations. A covenant for the people and a light to the nations. And in these two word pictures is the most beautiful, succinct summary of the mission 
of the servant. Look at the first one. He says, I'm giving you as a covenant for the people. God's relationship with his people, God's relationship with you, church, is never casual, always covenantal. God comes to people and he, and he invites them into this, this relational pact, into a bond where he says, I will be your God and you will be my people. We're not just trying it on. We're not just dating. No, we, you are married to me in covenant and I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am the Lord. We saw in the Old Testament that God in heaven showed up to a man named Abraham and he gave him the hand, the, the invitation of relationship. And he says, I will be your God and you will be my people, right? This is reaching toward people. And at that point in the scriptures, we say, man, has anything like this ever been done on the earth? God is making a covenant with a man. And yet what he's saying here is when I send the servant, I am extending the invitation into covenant with all of the nations. Through the servant, God is extending his hand to the world saying, be in relationship with me. And friend, I don't know you. I, maybe I don't know your pain. I don't know your story, but I can tell you this. This is where you were created to live. This is what you were designed for. This is why God in heaven breathed into your lungs and gave you life so that you would be in relationship with him, that you would know him and live for him. And here the creator is saying, when I send my servant, he will expand my kingdom, not by conquering people, but by inviting them one at a time to be in covenant relationship with him. I'm giving you as a covenant for the people, and I'm giving you as a light for the nations. God is sending his servant into a dark world to open the eyes of those who are walking in darkness and spiritual blindness. He is sending the servant to those who are sitting in dark prison cells and dungeons so that they can see the light. When the servant comes, he will reveal God's truth. When the servant comes, we will see God. We will know him. We will walk in his light. Covenant and light. And here's where we realize, as we read this, as we, as we read between the lines, as we see God's plan and his solution to a broken world, we realize that God actually doesn't have a solution to a broken world. He is the solution. God doesn't send the servant saying, hey, go and fix the economy, that'll fix it. Hey, go and start a stimulus package. He doesn't send the servant with a list of, here are five things to try and fix the world. No, he sends them and he says, here's the solution to a broken world. Give them me. This is what they need. This is the solution to a broken world, to be in covenant relationship with me and to walk before me in my light. God doesn't come up with a solution. He is the solution. Here's my servant. Now go and call them. I'm sending you to invite them to be reconciled to me. You see, God knows that the world is broken. God knows your pain. He knows where sin and darkness and corruption have crowded out justice and peace and light. And yet he shows us this morning that to fix the world, we must know its creator. That's the solution. To fix the world, we must know its creator. So does your heart, does your soul feel lonely 
I'm not talking about Friday night because your date cancels on you and you're like, man, no, I don't have plans. Not that kind of lonely. Like, like a loneliness that is, that is in your heart where you're like, a piece of my soul is missing. God sent the servant to invite you into covenant relationship with him so that you would know the one that your heart was made for. Do you ever feel like you're, you're walking in the dark through life? Blind and groping. Maybe you feel like you're in a, a dark dungeon, right? You're a slave to your sin and your selfishness. You feel helpless against your demons and against your vices. And you're going, man, I'll never break out of this. God has sent the servant to set you free so that you can walk in the light. And you thought to yourself, I'll never live in the light. I'll never get over this. I'll never be free. The servant is here. And he's showing you God's light. To fix the world, we must know its creator. And he's sending the servant so that we can know our creator. And if you're here this morning and you think to yourself, man, my, my, maybe your despair is causing you to roll your eyes and you go, man, that will never happen. I'll never live in the light. I'll never be good enough to be in relationship with God. I, that's not for me. I'll believe it when I see it. For all of you who have ever said, I'll believe it when I see it, all you need to do is see God's email signature. <laughs> do you see how he signs off his passage? How do you sign off your email? Love, Sam, right? Best, Sam. Kind regards, Sam, right? For his glory. Sam. I don't know how you sign off your emails, but look how God signs off his emails. He goes, here's what's going to happen. Here's what I'm going to do. And then here's the end of his email. I am the Lord. That is my name. I want you to try that this week. Sign off your email. Be like, all right. I love you, church. Have a great week. I am Sam. That is my name, right? Like you just started a cult at East Point, right? What is happening? But that, that's, do you get it? He says, here's my plan. Here's how I'm going to fix the world. Here's how I'm commissioning the servant. And here's how he ends the email. I'm the Lord. What else is there to say? I, that's my name. I am who I am. There's no question that what I've just said will happen will come to pass. As a matter of fact, I'm undefeated. All of the former things that I've said would come to pass, boom, they've come to pass. And now it's time for new things. I'm telling you my plan before it happens. I'm telling you of my sermon, my, my servant before he arrives, so that way when he arrives, you will go, wow, God really is who he said he is. Because I will do it. My reputation is on the line. My glory is at stake. And realize, I give my glory to no other. When the servant comes, when the plan unfurls and comes to fruition, there will be no confusing the capital G God for the lowercase g gods. There won't be. You see, guys, every single one of us in this room, we have in our pockets a, um, a little God, a pocket-sized God, and we create a caricature of him, and we, and we pretend that he has our voice, and, and he thinks like us, and maybe we, we put him on the dashboard, and he bobbles a little bit when we go too fast, or, or we hang him from our neck, and we, just, we have a little pocket-sized God that we take out, and we go, yeah, that's my God, and, and when I don't want him around, I put him in my back pocket maybe, you know, and it's just, this is God. I can, I can fit him in my hand. I can control him, I get a little good luck, and, and I put it back. But when the servant comes, when God's glorious plan develops, all of us will take out our little pocket-sized gods, and we'll walk before the servant, and we'll go, oh, he's so much bigger than I thought. And together, 
we will throw out our pocket-sized gods and worship the glory of the one true God when the servant comes. And he's coming, friends. He's coming to bring us back to the creator. Why? Because to fix the world, we must know its creator. To fix the world, we must know its creator. See, we want to see our community thrive. Do we not? We just talked about it this morning. We're giving it. We want to see our community thrive. We want to see people in our world flourish. We want to see people living the life they were meant to live. But here's what this passage reminds us of that we can never forget. Though our world has many problems, there is only one primary solution from which everything else springs. The world must know God. To fix the world, we must know its creator. There was a philosopher in the 1600s who was a mathematician, a scientist, an astronomer, and he had a conversion late in life, Blaise Pascal, and he said this, one of his most famous quotes. He says, There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing but only by God the creator, made known through Jesus Christ. There's a God-shaped hole in all of us. And God sent his servant, here you go, to the world so that we can know the creator. And here's why we're celebrating Christmas this month and always. Because the servant has come. The servant has come. The one that he said would come in the future, friends, that is now in our past. And we read it this morning in the, in the, uh, in the nativity scene, Luke 1. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. On Christmas morning, that baby, that's the servant who has come to show us the creator. That baby would go on. He would grow up and, and he would become famous in his area and people would come to him and they would say, we want to just see God. Just, can, we just, can you just show us the creator? Man, we really long for the creator. And what does he say as a grown man? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. To see the servant is to see God, the creator in heaven. And so to those of you in this room who know the brokenness of this world firsthand, to those of you sitting here who mourn, to those of you in grief, if there's anyone who longs and hungers for better days marked by righteousness, the servant has come so that you can know the creator. And we'll end with the image that we shared earlier. God is extending his invitation to a broken world. His solution is to invite you into covenant relationship, to invite you to walk before him in light and truth. And the servant has come for that invitation. Will you respond? Will you obey the servant? 
Will you allow him to lead you in his gentle, kingly way? He will not break the bruised reed. He will not snuff out the smoldering candle. Come to the king and know your creator. Father in heaven, we, we close in prayer by saying thank you. God, you are so good to us. You have, you, we wouldn't even be talking to you, Lord, if you didn't first reach out to us and initiate relationship. And so, Lord, here we are saying thank you for the servant. Thank you for bringing us into covenant relationship with you. Lord, I pray for those who are hurting, for those who are mourning this season, for those whose hearts feel lonely, for those whose spirits feel dark. Shine a light on the servant that they may know you. Bring them into your family. Fill them with faith. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Give them new hearts. And may they experience the joy of your family. We love you, Lord, and we love Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.